Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time once again for another edition of the Other Kind of Radio Talk Radio, episode fifty-one. Today's date, the star date. I don't think it's star date, but May tenth, two thousand nineteen. I'm sure the Trekkies out there are like, no, 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 no. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast that takes a good look at pop culture and says, "You're marvelous." My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you're a returning kind listener, welcome back. We hope you had a good week. We're able to drink from the pop culture cup. Enjoy a little downtime with everything going on. I think it was, was it Calgon? Take me away. Maybe, uh, maybe you had a little moment like that, but welcome back. For those of you who are a first time listener, congratulations on navigating the podcast maze to find us. We're glad you're here and want you to enjoy the show. We invite your comments, questions. I'll give you that information in a minute. As always, you're encouraged. We encourage we you encourage listeners to like subscribe rate our show as it helps feed the algorithm which keeps this podcast universe spinning and our show and its gravitational pull. We also encourage you to uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just do a little search. And, of course, you can use that good old-fashioned electronic mail by typing info at theotherkindradio.com in the to field. That'll get your word to us. On this week's show, I've got a bonus cut from Florida when I was there on business to share with you. We're going to do some headlines, uh, and Todd's take on is going to be on the uh, Ted Bundy show. I guess there's a new Ted Bundy show or something going on. He was funny and uh, uh, married with children. Uh, Then we've got uh, Jeff's Judgment on a show called Dead to Me. And on center stage, we're going to take kind of a, a step away from the movie review show review, music review, and we're going to dive into something um, as you know, we don't normally talk political, and I'm, we're not going to take it from that aspect, but we're going to talk about this ongoing uh, legal battle when it comes to video game loot boxes. And if you don't know what a loot box is, don't turn the podcast off yet. We'll give a little uh, explanation and mainly look and see if loot boxes are a form of capitalism or exploitation. But before we get all of that, let's bring the better half on the show. He is a movie maker, guitar player, drum major, author, and all-around renaissance man. Let's welcome Todd. Todd, are you there? Come in, Todd. That damn introduction is never going to go away, is it? You finally found one that would just keep going and going, and now you're sticking with it. Um, Yes, that's exactly it. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) i don't see you as lazy but man hey buddy how you doing i'm great you know the only thing that 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 doesn't have is your little todd is fancy pants music beneath it you probably should start working that in that would really you know that would sell my my characterization there you go i have no idea what you're talking about what's that i got some i got a buzz on my line let me take care of that so for the kind listener i want to say this is my last week on the show well, I want to. I'm going to top your top and top them with. A, I might be dead. So there you go. That is true. <laughs> we have exploding something. Something. Something's going on. But uh, before we get all of that, um, you had a good week. I know we've we're a little late. We had some scheduling things and everything. But you're doing all right. Everything going okay. Off yeah. the top of the head. Yeah. Off of your head. Whoa. What is going on in Todd's world? In Todd's world, you know, that sounds like a good TV show. Uh, You know, Todd's world, it's the wind down of the school year. So I've got a 16 year old who is giving up. Uh, I think as every 16 year old does, except for the exceptional few. And she, she thinks, Hey, let's stop studying. Let's stop doing everything because I'm done. Well, they figured everything Um, out. I mean, that's it. Remember well, that? she is smarter than the rest of the world and comes home and tells me how school is of no benefit to her. And I, I'm like, obviously, your grades show that. I was that way, too. And part of the conspiracy theory is that's why there's beer, because you're 16. You know everything. You know everything for about five years. You turn 21 and then you start going to bars and then slowly that just gets whittled away. And then you wake up like we are our age today going, what happened? 
And that's well, what happened. That's funny because I am slightly hungover today from having too much wine last night with dinner. So ooh. I guess it really is the ooh. What happened? But, but things are good, Jeff. Thank good. you. How are things in your lovely little part of the world? So I woke up this morning with a little pain in my abdomen. It's it's probably registering around a four to five on the pain scale. And of course, I'm laying in bed. And unlike when you're young um, and you just, you know, like whatever, and you get up and do whatever, my brain now is starting to focus on the what ifs. And I leave on Sunday for business. And, of course, it immediately morphs into this, I'm on the plane, and something bursts, and it becomes this huge medical uh, emergency, and we have to land or something. And as they're filming me coming off the plane, I'm screaming about the other kind of radio and please listen and all that other stuff. <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is go on and Google any of this stuff, because, that I mean, it'll tell me right away that I've got five minutes to live. So it's touch and go here. Touch and go in right. Omaha. The helicopters are, are, on standby. I have to ask real quick: Are you listening? Are when you're googling? Are you googling? Listen to the other kind of radio, and is the return exploding? Bowels? Right? No, no, no. We're we're going to. Okay, keep I was it. just confused by that. <laughs> we're gonna keep, well, hopefully it's not. It will probably be that way because I don't want it to be. So, um, but it's just funny as you get older and you start to feel pains. How your perspectives uh, different as far as things, but. Um, of course, my better half, I, I said something to her, and the response I get was, well, you probably just need a bowel movement. And I said, well, that's how, the, that's how every horror story starts is, well, that's you just need to go and, you know, you have gas. <laughs> and the next thing you know, aliens popping out of your chest. Didn't they say that on Alien? My chest yeah, hurts. I think they also said, don't swallow your Lego pieces, which I imagine is probably what you're trying to pass right now. <laughs> Good one. You got me with coffee in 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 my mouth. Note to self: uh, Just make that real quick. And uh, yeah, okay. Don't swallow Lego pieces. Okay. Good. All right. Got that note down. Um, so let's talk about what's going on um, in the headlines. Um, so we had a we had a loss recently that's uh, actually been out for a while. In that uh, the actor that played Chewbacca is uh has passed on and i think it worth mentioning and i know you have his uh, a little bit of his bio up there um what can you tell us about this this gentleman that played chewbacca i uh including Peter his Mayhew, name. <laughs> uh, seven, i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't even know his name i was like yeah, good in his name <laughs> uh the, the guy beneath the fur was peter mayhew of Ooh, good book Bar name sorry what? to interrupt you again good book name the Man Beneath the Fur. Yes. Oh, that is true. Well, well why don't you write that book? Let me go ahead. Um, <laughs> he's from Barnes, London, England. I don't know what, you know, I, I'm going to show my stupidity. Barnes, London, England. Is that sort of like when you're from New York City, but you're also from Queens? I mean, is it that kind of thing? Oh, I, Barnes, I don't know London. what that is. Yeah. Probably a burb. Probably. So he was 74 years old. This man... He uh, he became known. He was so synonymous with Chewbacca that recently George Lucas even said that when you saw Chewbacca, you weren't seeing. It wasn't that he found the character. It was that Chewbacca became Peter Mayhew. Uh -huh. That that was truly who he was. He was loving. He was fierce in the way that he would protect things. He he basically was Chewbacca in every film. Up until The Force Awakens, where he was still Chewbacca, but only when he would sit down. When Chewbacca was seated in The Force Awakens, he was in that role. They found another uh, younger man to take over the role and who will continue to play and play them things like Solo. But that was Mayhew's last appearance. Uh, Mayhew started with an appearance long ago in Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, right, I believe, right before he did Star Wars, even though it's, it's credited as the other way around on IMDb. I swear I've read that, that he would, did Sinbad previous. But uh, he was famously cast simply for his height. When they went out and uh, went to the hospital where he was an orderly, George Lucas simply looked at, at his seven foot three frame and said, I think we found our Chewbacca. I wonder. So they also wanted Darth to be pretty tall. So I wonder when they what, what that what that decision, because I'd figure Darth being taller than Chewie might be might be something to look at. Um, you know, that is that's correct. And if. If my memory serves correct, the first person they approached was David Prowse. And David Prowse, thank you, IMDb, for inserting an ad when I'm trying to look up at something. Thank <laughs> you so much. Would you like to buy a pizza? We noticed it's a it's nine th eight thirty in the morning. 
So he is David Prowse is six foot six, so he's no slouch. Mm. But I think they knew when they found a seven foot three man that he should be the big furry alien. So, ah. and, and besides, I think David Prowse kind of pushed for he wanted to be the bad guy, and he's he's a former bodybuilder, and so he had a bigger build, and it just fit into the bad guy persona. It, was he able to act in anything else, or once he got that gig, I mean, that was pretty much an ender. No, I'm I'm pretty sure, and, and I'm sorry, I flipped over to David Prowse to find this. You're stand. buying a pizza. So, I know you're buying a pizza. I am buying a pizza, damn it. <laughs> uh, you know, Peter Mayhew had some other things. If you look through here, unfortunately, he was on the TV show Glee, where his character's name was something original, Chewbacca. Oh, boy. So, it, yeah, I mean, there are a few credits here and there where he did things other than Chewbacca, but they're, they're very few and far between. The There are a ton of secondary appearances where he played other things. He was in the Dark Towers TV show mm. where he played a character called the Tall Knight. So he did things other than Chewbacca, but by and large, he was Chewbacca. I, I, I know the moment that that news came across, my heart broke a little bit, and the geek culture, everyone to a person had nothing but sweet things to say about him so um i've got uh so obviously i did some clickbait the other day talking about tall people and i guess the guy that plays the mountain on game of thrones mm -hmm. was like uh he was a security guard before he got cast yeah i knew that he that that man is just an astonishingly huge human being and and he's worked to, to get himself that way and if you ever want to see the craziest thing go look for a picture of him and his wife i believe his <laughs> wife is only like five foot tall it is just it is the oddest pairing of, of not humans in, on, ever speaking of uh game of thrones and don't worry folks there's no uh there's no um spoilers here there's been some hubbub above recently in some various articles and stuff that uh, about trailer talk and spoiler talk and i wanted to get your your opinion and feedback on this so i don't know have you watched the a new spider-man beyond thunderdome movie trailer whatever it is oh god there's reductionist jeff <laughs> i knew it had to come out at some point um yes i have watched it and it, it, the tone was great sweet fun so the lead act, I, the lead actor that plays uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, comes on first before the trailer plays and says, hey, if you haven't seen Endgame, um, don't watch this trailer. Um, and so that kind of sparked some interesting things, uh, some conversations that I've read about and some articles. And, and I wanted to get uh, uh, th theater and, and movie expert uh, Todd's opinion on, I mean, do you think that nowadays trailers are giving away too much of the movie? I mean, Real quickly, my my reference is The Shining, where the entire trailer was the elevator spilling blood all over the lobby. Spoiler alert. Um, and that was it. And I think that's what made it even creepier and more engaging and wanting to see it. Now we often get just a montage of the funniest moments on the film. So without question, I think trailers tend to spoil movies. I did find that interesting that they decided to put that at the very front of the Spider-Man trailer, but I also kind of liked it. I thought, you know, at least show some respect to your audience. If you haven't had a chance to get out, maybe you live in a part of the world where it's only shown one screen, you couldn't get in. Don't watch this yet. Right. Now, uh, just yesterday, and I know you did not watch this because you do not care for horror films, but the trailer for the new uh, It Chapter 2 Ooh. came out. And what I found incredibly interesting about it was that it began with, a, I, I would imagine, a scene from the actual movie, or I kind of wonder if they didn't shoot this scene entirely for the trailer. Right. Well, well it remains to be seen, but it plays out almost entire, entirely through the scene before it goes to a succession of quick clips and whatnot mm. from the film. I, I wish trailers would get away from spoiling things you yeah. go back to the shining like you said and i think i actually think using that one shot which is so beautiful and so iconic is kind of an interesting idea because where it is creepy and it is essential to the movie it doesn't ruin anything about the movie right it it says you're going somewhere blood's going to pour out you better be terrified um the original spider-man that had toby mcguire famously shot a trailer 
that's that's all it was was a trailer yeah and that that footage was not in the film so when you ask about spoilers and i think that trailers tend to ruin everything and i've gotten to the point where i I just don't want to see them people will say have you seen it i'm like i don't want to see it because i want that shock right so i i I appreciated the spider-man thing but at the same time it was too much yeah sorry to distract you there i've got uh alerts coming through on my uh Oh, no worries. So I'm trying to turn that down. Something official. Um, Yeah. And and the other thing that kind of, and and I agree, I think there should be, if you and I were were shooting a film and we were talking about the trailer, I would want it to be, see, I think it's just such a marketing thing where, you know, if you artistically want to shoot a couple things and just have it be kind of gain interest, there's a, there's a fine line between just shooting a scene to gain interest like The Shining and then just showing everything in the movie. And I, I would hope that, you know, we would agree on that and do something a little special for it. Because while it might have been new when that marketing genius came up with the quick montage, it's now just become milk toast. And it's just, you know, it's like every movie in a town or Ted was a funny guy when he woke up dead or whatever that. Just, you know, again, just as that 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 milk toast, just feed me, show me what the movie's about rather than try and actually put a little thought and create an a, a, an environment and or a uh, emotion that may pull you into that film. And I'll have to watch the uh, the it trailer to see how how they do that, because I think it's I think it's important. I think they've gotten a little comfortable in that formulaic way of of trying to tell us that a movie's coming out which you think of it i mean it's such a great place to start and you have a completely blank page and you're just like okay our goal is to inform people about this movie how can we do it in a way that will gain their interest but not also just show them a bunch of cutscenes from the film i i agree completely i it i you almost have to fulfill what audiences expect which is to see a lot of stuff from the film but i what i would think would be very interesting in many ways um is anybody that ever writes a screenplay at least is supposed to kind of know what happened right before the 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 movie begins right why not actually shoot a series of small little vignettes two minute things of what happens right before it and somehow make it exciting so when you walk in it's almost like you're seeing a continuation of the trailers that that's unique and we're constantly looking for new ways to invigorate this kind of thing that to me if i'm making a new star wars movie i'm going to make a series of minute and a half two minute vignettes that show me what happens immediately before the opening right something like darth vader waking up a little pain in his abdomen he doesn't always (laughs) now he's rethinking his choices you know was it good to go to the dark side man now you completely have taken darth <laughs> vader and i know why he's such a bitch is that he's walking around with a right. pain in his gut right he just needs a bowel movement according to certain people and families um I, again i, I don't want to go too long on that but i thought it was interesting because it also leads into the next thing i want to ask you about and get a quick prediction from you which is oh well, look we're still getting alerts that's fantastic um everybody wants to text me today sorry folks um so you know, again, it kind of goes along with uh, you know people complaining about trailers and spoilers and stuff like that. I mean, it's the, part of the part of the responsibility falls on the person that's going to watch the film. When I was going to go see Endgame, I purposely stayed away from some areas to uh, not see what happened. And and you know, other than somebody coming up and telling me in person what you know the the end of the movie was, uh, I did a good job of managing my own intake so that I could be careful. Another big show that's going on, I believe it has a total of, I think, two episodes left, is Game of Thrones. And so I wanted to get kind of a quick uh, summation in your thoughts. So now, are you watching it week to week, or are you going to wait and binge? No, I'm watching it week to week. So, so am I. I'm, I'm fighting off the everywhere I turn, somebody is trying to spoil it, or also <laughs> ruin it. Every, you know, it's either that people want to tell you what's going to happen uh, because they know more, or they're going to tell you how much you should hate it. Right. I, Oh God, we we need to spend a whole other thing talking about social media. But yeah, yeah, we we can do that. But I mean, uh, are you enjoying it so far? I am watching it as well. I'm enjoying it by and large. I think I think there's some pacing problems occasionally with mm-hmm, it. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're uh, oddly, you know, without getting into too much breakdown. I think that while they tried to create something epic by making these larger episodes, I almost wish that they would have just stuck to their normal format, yeah, yeah. and made full episodes because it feels occasionally like they're taking massive leaps it, yes. to get somewhere else in an episode. And I'm kind of like, 
man, it's really good, but it could have been really great. Right, right. And I agree with you. Why change it up? Because it's the last season. And I do think they're making some pretty big character changes that um, are kind of back and forth. And, uh, you know, if they had more time to, since they've taken, it's almost like, you know, taking two thirds of the movie. Oh, kind of, kind of a little bit like Endgame where it's all set up. And then the last 20 minutes of the film or 30 minutes of the film is like this and that and boom. And then, and thank you, and you know, leave. You know, it's, I feel like it's, it's really tightening up at a, a fast pace. But now, I guess I, every time I go on Reddit and some of these other places, you're supposed to predict who's, I mean, is that the end game? Is nah, no pun intended. Is that the end of the series? Is going to find out who takes the iron, the iron throne or the, the whatever it's called? Yeah. I mean, that's at least what everyone thinks. I ah. think that George R.R. R. Martin has always said that the end of this is a very bittersweet story. And even though he's not written these books, if right. you don't know, the creators went to him and said, we want them at least to be somewhat in line. So he told them what he expects the end of the books to be and said it may change. Uh, but by and large, whoever ends up on the Iron Throne is probably going to be the same in the books. So uh, Captain Marvel's going to show up and kick everybody's ass and then take the throne? Uh, you know... <laughs> We can get into that for Endgame where I like Brie Larson. I think she's a great actress. I really thought Marvel bungled <laughs> Captain Marvel. So might as well just bit. put her in put her in this and, and bungle this too. Okay, just for the kind listener and just for you and me, let's go ahead and make our prediction. If the endgame of the movie or the series is to have someone obtain power of the throne, um, who do you think it's going to be? Or, your, of course, your your other option is nobody. I I still err towards this, the the end being that Daenerys will go insane and become a exact mirror of what her family has done before, burning and killing everybody. Ooh. Jon Snow has to turn and kill his love. Jon Snow takes the throne, but he's tortured over it, that he basically has ended up there like that. The final Something s- along those lines. The final scene is him grabbing his abdomen going, I feel some pain. <laughs> and I, then ooh. in black, you just hear a, yeah. thank you. Um, boy, that's so much better than what I was thinking. I still am thinking of, uh, is it Arya who, who, who Mm -hmm. did the spoiler bit? Yeah. I think she might, might show up and just kind of hang out for a while. So Arya is my guess. You're going with a kind of a, a double duo. So there we have it recorded live and forever in digital copy. And of course, when it ends, we can, uh, we can talk about that. So thank you for that. I'm going to throw one thing in because I will turn you tell you this twist. I did read that Peter Dinklage says that he is the only person, according to the creators, that guessed his character's fate correctly. Ooh. So there's a part of me that thinks that Tyrion could end up on the throne, and that would be very, very interesting because ultimately, you know, these kind of stories, you have to have a journey. Somebody had to get there, and so if you suddenly, there has to be a reason to put a secondary character there, and Tyrion's not a secondary character at all, but, right. you know, he would make sense to me as well. Good point. All right. All the kind listeners know what that sound is. We've got the projector fired up. Nice, warm, toasty. We've got some coffee here. It means it's time for Todd's take on. Todd, what's your take on this week? My take is on the rather controversial, say that one a bunch, uh, film Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is the Ted Bundy movie starring Zac Efron that is now on Netflix. This film hit the uh, the festival circuit and got a bit of a interesting reception in that most of the time you either hear people really loved it, really something. This one was kind of split where people thought Efron was good, um, that it was interest, an interesting take on it. Other people were very upset that it made Ted Bundy out to be somehow a hero. So... This is directed by Joe, Joe Berlinger, who is a, a, a documentary filmmaker and has made some outstanding documentaries and steps into the narrative world. At the same time, he also has a documentary film called the, I believe it's called The Bundy Tapes. It's on Netflix as well. So you actually get real interviews with Ted Bundy. I would suggest if you're going to watch these, mm-hmm. watch them both because mm. they do balance each other out. The the Bundy tapes almost tells a blow, blow for blow accounting of what Ted did, how he did it. This one really focuses more on a girlfriend of his when he was out being serial, the serial killer we all knew. 
he was with this woman who had a child. And, and this is based on her book called The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. And she famously is the person who actually calls the police to let them know, I think that's my boyfriend. Um, it's an interesting movie. I think that Zac Efron continues to surprise me. Mm-hmm. He seems like just a pretty boy, but he really has some acting chops. He can play comedy pretty well. Um, he's obviously done musicals, but he he finds the charm and the menace in Ted Bundy. And I, I think what's important about playing a serial killer or something like this, it, you go back to what Anthony Hopkins does with Hannibal Lecter. There is menace all over the place, yet he puts it just below the surface so that you you can see how people would trust him. And I think Efron does exactly that. You can see that there's something wrong beneath his exterior, but he pulls people into trust. Right. Now, I want I want to quickly say there is a problem with this film. I let me pull it back to say I, I love serial killer type stories i find them incredibly fascinating my wife and i love true crime our daughter has gone into it and she watched this i knew that there wasn't really Mm -hmm. it doesn't really show much of his murders it's more about who he was the duality of it and i think that's a very interesting idea this film goes very very wrong in one respect and i think it's because mr berlinger is not a narrative filmmaker and doesn't understand what he's doing or doesn't understand sometimes the power of what he's doing right there are numerous times where we see ted in situations where the soundtrack is implying a cleverness to what he's doing Mm. when really the the title is extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile which is something that was said to him in the court of law right when you put the soundtrack juxtaposed to it, you are implying that the character is somehow smart and getting away with something. And we want to like him because we like that song. There's so many levels where you can talk about what soundtracks do to people. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to tell you emotionally. It's supposed to tap into what you think of that song. And there's one very famous scene where Ted, and this is very true to life. And they show the real footage at the end when he is finally caught and charged the sheriff in that town makes a very grandiose and stupid move by bringing Ted off of an elevator in front of the press, reading the charges aloud while Ted's there. Well, nobody shuts Ted up and Ted starts challenging. Hey, are you going to let me speak? And, and, you know, and it really, if you mm. watch the real thing, it's creepy as hell. But they play a cutesy little song underneath it and it makes Ted out to look like he's on a sitcom. Mm. So this this film's gotten a lot of that. And okay. I asked my daughter about it, what she thought. She's like, you know, it really creeped me out and he was sick and disgusting. I'm like, okay, well, God, I'm glad you saw that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I don't know. It, it, there's just there's some missed opportunities here. Okay. Well, I've got my flight coming up, so I think I'll download and and record download and watch that on the flight. Uh, so overall, uh, good, but it's got some some missed uh, some missed firings there. To the kind listener out there, would you would you give it a check it out or put it on the back burner? If you are like me, someone who enjoys the the nature and under trying to understand why people can go down this path, watch it. But again, set it up for yourself and watch the Bundy tapes. Okay. I would almost say watch the Bundy tapes first. Okay. Because you are truly going to, I mean, again, Joe Berlinger directs both of them and he's an incredibly good documentarian. Um, and he just misses an opportunity with the narrative. Okay. But, it, but watch them. They're good. Well, we'll, uh, We'll instruct the kind listener to go do that. We'll uh, take that projector, pack it up, put it away till next time. Thank you, Todd. That was Todd's take on Ted Bundy, vile, awesome. Uh, oh, no, not awesome. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Dead, deadly. That, that's good. Just yeah. call it deadly. It's on, it's on, it's on Netflix. My new setup. I know I have a Netflix. Uh, there we go. Sounder. Um, so check it out. And that'll move us on to Jeff's judgment. I know we're on a schedule today. So Jeff's judgment uh, will be rather quick today. But Jeff's judgment is also on a Netflix uh, show um, that was uh, picked out by the better half. Uh, It is entitled Dead to Me. Uh, The creator is Liz Feldman, um, who is known for Two Broke Girls, The Great Indoors, um, 
she's been around, I believe, for a while. So obviously, what I'm gathering off of her IMD page is Two Broke Girls was pretty big. That was a sitcom, I believe, on regular old broadcast television. And it features uh, Christina Applegate, Linda Cardellini. Cardellini. Cardellini, that's what I was going to say. James uh, Mardson, Marsden. And others, good Lord, got to learn to uh, pronounce. Note to the kind listener, yeah. I'm going to start reading the names from now on. There you go. Um, and basically, uh, I guess I could read the uh, little descriptor here. A series about a powerful friendship that blossoms between a tightly wound widow and a free spirit with a shocking secret. Um, yeah, that's pretty close. Um, basically, Christina Applegate plays a widow whose husband was uh, hit by a car and therein lies the rest of the spaghetti, which is all of the other subplots and characters, um, different storylines, and, and like the descriptor says, their secret. Um, so let's get into what this show does well and why you should check it out. Um, oh, let's get some more uh, notifications popping up. i got to figure out how to shut that off. Anyway, um, so why you should watch Dead to Me on Netflix. Um so a couple things that it does really well is in the lost art of the cliffhanger, um, and I'm talking back in the day when you know you couldn't binge watch and you had to wait a whole week. This show does an excellent job of getting you on to that next episode, and I think this is a new strategy that's coming up with this new medium of of delivering a series, a whole season of shows in in one big you know uh, dump. Um, so that you've got to see that next episode because they do a great job of, you know, it's just kind of going along and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, we got to figure out what's going on with that. Um, I think it's it's fairly well written. Um, I, there was nothing about the directing and or editing that really caught my attention or made me feel uh, out of the element. It was able to pretty, pretty well get... Uh, uh, into and, and allow myself to just kind of live in this little universe that they've created. Um, it is a half hour episode, so easy to digest, doesn't require um, a lot of time, kind of like other Game of Thrones and everything that's running about an hour. It's, it's, it's described or, or calls itself a dark comedy. And um, there are some funny points and there are some, some funny lines that Christina Applegate delivers, uh, which show her acting chops as well. Um, but I, I, it's almost like I would like to see that a little bit more. If you're going to call yourself a dark comedy, you've, there's got to be somewhere a formula of the number of, of, of punchlines that you get in so much time. Um, there can be a lot of moments that are really, really, really heavy. And, and at some point, um, again, if you read dark comedy, you want to be able to laugh and, and at least get that dark side of it where there were times that, uh, it got real and, you know, just inside my head, I'm like, well, you know, I want to be watching this cause it's kind of echoing, you know, too much realism as far as bad things that can happen. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's definitely um, something that, uh, again, is easy to watch, doesn't require a lot of history or knowledge about anything, and does have some occasional funny parts. Um, on the downside, one of the things that we noticed is there's a lot of crying and there is a lot of drama. So if you want some nice, thick Velveeta cheese mixed in with a few jokes... Uh, this may be right up your alley. We did watch all the way through season one, and of course, at the end of season one, they leave you with a nice cliffhanger. Um, so, Dead to Me, uh, available on Netflix. I would give it a, if you've exhausted everything else and are really looking for something to kind of get into and out of quickly, then uh, go ahead and watch this. It's not anything that I would uh, hang a, uh, you know, a big hat on, if you would, uh, just as far as it's uh, walking away worth once you've seen everything. I do believe that Netflix is already printing up the posters that say, if you want a thick helping of velvet cheese with a few laughs, give it a watch. <laughs> Jeff, the other kind radio. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a show. It's worth checking out. I, again, it's just amazing to me how much we're getting thrown at us. And, and I wasn't even on my radar. It was something the better half brought up. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, let's check it out. So, Dead to Me, Netflix, uh, what I recommended to Todd, I would tell Todd again, if you didn't have anything else to watch to maybe, maybe check this out. 
So I think the show wins because I have just a little bit of a crush on uh, Linda Carlini. I've always thought she just oh, yeah. best and I meant, she could be. Oh, she is. And I mentioned to you in the in the pre-meeting that I kept getting her confused. And, and uh, the woman I was on the wrestling with Mark Marin, uh, the actress that plays uh, the main character. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Oh, Allison Brie. Yeah. So I get those two confused every once in a while. I thought I was watching her, but... Uh, they're both lovely, lovely actresses. All right, before we get into center stage, I have a little bit of audio here to play. Um, something, a little giggle here. I was in uh, Orlando. I was on business, and uh, I cut out a lot of this audio because I recorded it on my little handheld recorder, and I was pretty much uh, eating the microphones to go hear some breathy, breathy. But uh, check out this little number um, from uh, when I was in Orlando. When you flush the toilet, you get a great after effect sound. Here it is. So I don't know where that hits on the sound spectrum, and I didn't set it up very well, but basically every time you went to the restroom in this hotel room, this is the sound that you got for the period of time that we're listening to right now. Nice, high-pitched noise. And then, the little kicker here at the end. Isn't that great? The other cool thing is when the person next to you flushes their toilet, it makes the same same noise. Jeff, out. So that was recorded at about 4.30 in the morning, so I apologize. I sound like I'm getting ready to have a heart attack. So this episode of The Other Kind Radio is so centered around your bowels. (laughs) (laughs) We... You know, I, I you've made a comment about taking a dump and are dumping something. Yes. So there's dump. It's it's implied. You know, we 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 don't usually pull back the curtain to say, boy, we've really worked. But I want you to go back and listen to this episode again <laughs> and hear the interweavings of poop. <laughs> Sorry about that, kind listener. But yeah, I mean, I would be asleep, and in the middle of the night, you'd have that really high me coming through just because the person next to you used the restroom. So, That's awful. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting for whatever reason. Of course, I saved it for the bowel episode. So there you go. Moving right along to center stage. This focuses around something that's going on right now. And again, we're not a political show, so we're not going to talk necessarily about that. But I am interested in stepping away a little bit from film and television and music and talking about something that's been uh, a growing occurrence inside the video game world and just kind of what its play is um, as far as um, it users, kids. And basically, it comes down to what's called a loot box. Now, uh, Todd, are you familiar with what loot boxes are? Well, to, to be very fair, uh, you know, yes, I am. But Jeff did have to explain that they're called that to me. But I, I know the practice, so... In fact, I deal with the practice, so I can't wait to talk about this. Right. So a loot box, for the kind listener that doesn't know, is generally within a video game. Um, You've already uh, got the game or purchased the game, and you're playing the game. And then there are these little rewards that pop as you level up or uh, obtain certain kind of, um, I don't know if you want to call them, achievements uh, within the game. And it's a little, generally it's presented in a little box that's glowing kind of like a treasure chest and you click on it and there's an animation and then basically uh, loot, which is, uh, you know, I guess another word for loot would be treasure and or items, um, you know, uh, explode out of this chest and then you see what you got. So it's a little bit like a a treasure chest opening up and, and seeing what you got now. There are a couple of different loot boxes, one of which is, um, and I'll use Fortnite as an example, you spend real money to open uh, or buy a loot box, and within it is a new skin and or uh, some type of costume item for your character. So in a lot of ways, especially in Fortnite, that establishes how long you've been playing, um, and also, you know, you want to be the, the, the new kid or the latest kid on the block with the with the new item. So you, you use that item in-game, and other people are like, oh, that person's cool, they got the glowing skull staff of whatever. 
Um, those don't have anything to do with how well you can play the game or how well uh, your character can advance in the game. They're simply cosmetic. Um, Todd got to witness that when he came to uh, Omaha, and in particular, young man um, wanted a, wanted a loot box or a a new skin, and uh, Todd was kind enough to uh, front the money, and um, you know, and they're not cheap. Uh, usually in Fortnite, to get uh, to get a skin is right around fifteen U.S. dollars. So he was nice to do that. And, and one thing I don't know if I shared with Todd or not, but like a week later. This uh, young person had traded that skin that you had had purchased for him to get something else. And so there was a moment of uh, stopping down and kind of explaining, hey, that was a gift. But, you know, all in all, it's all digital. But we're talking about real money and we're talking about a real want to have the latest and greatest. The second part of uh, loot boxes actually do have something to do with what's called pay to win, which is loot boxes that you or that are randomly generated that can deliver um, game in use items that can help your your um, your character advance or do better. An example would be Star Wars Battlefront 2, which you could pay again money and they're not cheap to get so many tokens, use those tokens to buy loot boxes with a chance to win or be rewarded. You know, a lightsaber or Han's blaster or Chewbacca's crossbow to, you know, give you a little edge in the game. Now, in a lot of ways, um, and again, we're talking about kids and adults that are using this. It uh, has different opinions when it comes to gamers. Obviously, if you're paying to win, you don't have the street cred you do if you actually just grind and, and you know unlock those items as you progress your character. As far as the loot boxes that are co cosmetic, um, again, it comes down to, uh, and they're very smart about this, um, they will come out either on a weekly or bi-weekly basis where new skins and new items hit so that you know, those that want to stay on top and have the latest, greatest are spending um, real money to get those items and again a skin on on Fortnite was running right around $15 so you imagine a couple million different players um, each buying one skin well therein lies a, a big um, uh, windfall as far as cash for the game developer now on this past Wednesday, Senator Josh Harley, Republican from Missouri, announced that he would be introducing a bill banning manipulative game features in video games with underage audiences, including the sale of loot boxes. We're getting this uh, article from The Verge, so we appreciate them helping us out with that. Uh, the legislation, if, it, would, if, if approved, would prohibit the sale of loot boxes in games targeted at children under the age of 18. Games marked, uh, marketed towards wider audiences could also face penalties from regulators like the Federal Trade Commission if company, companies knowingly allow children to purchase these randomized crates. So now that the kind listener kind of has the, the knowledge of the different kinds of loot boxes, um, I want to bring Todd into the conversation. Hopefully we... Um, had, you know, have, have you kind of up to speed on it? And I, to me, it's an interesting thing because you, you, you want to look at it, whether it's a, uh, just a, a, a capitalism at its best, or if it is in fact praying and some type of manipulation for those, those kid, uh, players. Um, so I'll, I'll step aside and, and get your initial thoughts on this. So I, I deal with this very thing, not from Star Wars Battlefront, but being a Star Wars geek, there's also a mobile game called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Right. And that game truly is a grinded out kind of game. If you don't want to pay, if you don't want to pay for it, what you have to do is you, you do various little games within the game to earn the abilities to upgrade your characters so that they can actually fight against other characters. Now, right. what this is run by EA Sports, or not sports anywhere, they're just EA. This is run by EA, and they offer, this is to my absolute frustration, they offer the ability, not only can you pay to buy the things to upgrade your character, right. so you get ahead, you don't have to grind. That I'm, I don't have a problem with. Fine, if you want to pay $70 to get the same character I can get, yeah, fine. It's when there's a character within the game that is the most powerful character mm -hmm. and you had to pay $120 to get them and I can't get it if I don't pay. Right. That's where this becomes disproportionate and, and not fair. This is not a fair practice. Now, I look at this whole thing of, good Lord, how much money 
are they making on this stupid game? You know, games when we originally bought them for PC or whatever were what fifty bucks ish, fifty sixty bucks. Most games are running fifty nine ninety five right now. Yeah. Okay, so you're looking at at the sixty dollar range, and if you want to buy a few extra things, the skins and all that, maybe maybe you're spending around a hundred dollars total. Right. I have no issue. Again, if you want to buy, if you want to buy crystals that simply allow you to upgrade you, that character to the point where I can get them. Right. If we're all in the same playing field, then the problem becomes they put these people in there with me and I have to battle against them and I can't win. Right. This is not, a, I, I, I read through this article about this uh, senator who wants to do it and his, his reasons are pretty good about that this is harmful to children. It sort of begins this idea of gambling. Mm-hmm. It's fair. And I think his legislation is fair, but from a gaming standpoint, I, I want him to fix it because I, I'm sick of it. It almost ruins the game. Right. Well, I know the legislation is mainly aimed at kids. And, and you know, I think I'm going to take a, a different stance than you because I think we're entering into some interesting territory here where, first of all, um, again, I think this is could be an example in many cases where parents want something, some other entity to parent um, them. Now, I feel I share your frustrations with people just going out and spending money and getting weapons and all this stuff and I'm getting my butt kicked by them. That I completely understand. But... You know from from Xbox and, and other electronic forms of gaming that you have to somehow have authorization to put charges on the account. So, you know, I know when you were here and we were going through it with the young man that wanted the new skin, I mean, it wasn't just as simple as hitting a button. There was a whole no. thing that had to happen. So I think part of the responsibility when it comes to this falls on the parents to make sure that they're up to date on how their accounts are set up. Now, again, I'm a geek and a gamer, so it's very easy for me to follow and understand the logic. So there may be kind of a learning curve there. But again, if it's the same thing as the what we heard about iPhones and, and you know, games like, uh, oh, God, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to forget the name of it. Candy Crush where there were stories of kids just buying on their parents' phone, just hitting that button to you know, buy extended lives and stuff like that and racking up a pretty big bill. But if we're going to go that far and we're going to start saying, okay, now we need to get um, you know, some laws involved, how different is that than, than taking your kid to a local, just for example, uh, Dave & Buster's type environment where most of those games that are in there are all based on chance and generally a, an early form of gambling. If you look at the, the coin dropping, there's also one where simply you hit the, hit the button to stop the light. And if you hit it at the right time, then you deal or no deal is there. And it's all to get the tickets and try to, you know, basically spend $45 for a $15 teddy bear. But... Um, you know, I, again, I I like to look at from both sides because if you take a game like Fortnite, Fortnite was free, so you could go and download it and it didn't cost you 60 bucks because Fortnite, I think in their marketing and research knew that they could make a lot more money if they had these in-game purchases and, and they were available for the players to, to grab. So they had to create and work for their own sense of urgency for people to buy those particular items. Um, so, I mean, that's where I think it's it's marketing and it's kind of fair game because no one reads the EULA, the end, uh, uh, the end user license agreement. I'm sure it's in there that says, hey, you can make in-game purchases. Um, and then again, especially on, and there's another notification, especially on Xbox and other things. I mean, there, there, there generally are some types of roadblocks that when set up correctly, kids would have to go through to make those type of purchases. Um, again, and now I, and now does Abby, does she get into, to any of that or do anything with that? She does. Uh, she, she loves Sims. Okay. And, um, you know, Sims, you're not really competing against anybody, but they, and that's also an EA product. Yes. Um, <laughs> notice they, the theme. Well, with that one, they're very smart because uh. what they've done and, and it gets into, I, I'm going to tie this back to my Star Wars experience, yeah. but what they do is so sims you you actually control the people within a, a world you build houses for them you get jobs for them etc mm-hmm. well what they'll do occasionally is come out and go here's another little pack you can buy and now you can have pets yeah or here's a pack you can buy and it's outdoor furniture that is pretty cool that's yeah. pretty smart that's how capitalism should work here you want it you don't have to have it to play this game right but it's going to have a fun element and it's only five bucks 
Right. So Abby knows. Right. And, you know, Abby's of the age now where she has her own debit card. However, Good. she's not allowed to attach her debit card to something like this. Smart. Because I want the control over it. So I know she enjoys it. And if she does something well, I will occasionally go buy something for her and yeah. put it in her account. It's there. But she knows she is not allowed to buy it without permission from her mother. And I. Right. So to your point, I think that is absolutely true. You made a very, very good point of that. This is parents wanting someone else to parent for them. Right. And, and that drives me insane. You get in there. I, I play every game. I watch just about every movie, every TV show my daughter does because I want to know what she's consuming. Sure. So this kind of thing, yes, parents need to be involved. I have no problem with the capitalism within games. It's when they make games disproportionately unfair to the people who aren't willing to pay. Yeah. Now, I know, like you said, Fortnite's free. They have to build a mechanism mm -hmm. to make money. Let's say the Star Wars game that I play. How many characters are there in the Star Wars universe? Tons. Billions. I yeah. mean, un untold characters you can pull in. Right. Here's how EA should do this without saying, oh, the only way you can win is with this character you have to pay $120 on. Right. Instead, what they, they should offer it to everybody that, oh, we're going to only release a few characters at a time. Mm -hmm. If you want to get the character with that grinding to get it, you had to pay us $29.99. Yeah. Now, every, how many people are going to do that? They're going to pay for it. Yeah. And you're going to continue to make money, but you introduce the characters on a slower rollout so that it's constant. The money's constantly flowing. Yeah. That's how capitalism should work. Capitalism is, it's wrong. And I do think you need federal regulations when you're creating a disparity between the people who choose to consume or not consume. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting. And you've hit on a couple of things. So like the, the packets that you download on Sims, those are known as DLCs, downloadable content. And those generally, yes, it's 20 bucks or whatever. And you get the, you get the extra, the extra addition or expansion onto the game. And I think that's managed very well. Um, and I agree, you know, that um, it is it is, you know, so these games have, have got to come up a way to be self-sustaining. They've got to make their money. So there are the games that are interesting, like Fortnite and Overwatch, which, again, have loot boxes. Now, again, in Overwatch, when you level up, you get a loot box. Same thing with Apex uh, Legends. When you level up, you get a loot box or you can go buy more loot boxes. Now, again, these are all cosmetic. They're not going to affect how your how well your character can play or shoot or do anything. Um, so I, I kind of like that and apex was free as well. Now where I think EA has made a particular good argument in your, in your point of view and what you stated so well is when I buy a game for $60. Now it used to be you bought the game and you got the game and you played it. Now it's, do you want the gold edition? Do you want the platinum edition? You know, and some of them are running what? $120 for the game. Mm -hmm. And now great. Here's the thing, folks, if you're going to pay $120 for this digital copy of the game, are they going to send you a, a helmet or uh, some type of uh, thing to put, you know, on your, on your shelf that shows that you did it? No, no, no. This again is 100% digital where because you bought the gold edition for a hundred bucks or whatever, you're going to get a special skin, a special outfit that your character can put on that basically tells everybody else in the game that you spent a hundred bucks on it. Brilliant marketing, right? But I think it's also buyer beware. You have to look and know those things. And I think um, as much as I agree with, there needs to be some type of, you know, some type of, 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 of watching or um, education for parents. This also is another great uh, um, teaching opportunity between parent and kid to say, okay, now look, um, if you buy this, this is not anything that you particularly own or, or is tangible. It's in the game. And if you get tired of the game, then that goes away. Just like with the young one trading the skin that you bought him in for something else, you know, right? Because you spent, you gave him that money to do it and now it's gone. So in the same time, I think it's a really good opportunity for parents to sit down and kind of teach them about buyer beware. Right. Let them do what they want to do with with their money uh, if it's approved. But at the same time, let them know, hey, you, you're going to get you're going to get tired of this game. You're going to you're throwing tons of money into this game. And at some point you're going to walk away from it and you're not going to be able to get any of that back. Roblox is another interesting um, case study, which, again, is another game that's free to download. And in its sense, has points that you can use to buy skins and do different things. And the young one that traded in so kindly traded in the skin that you gave him is hooked on Roblox. If there's anything, you ask him uh, what he wants. He wants cheeseburgers and Roblox points. These, again, aren't very cheap. You're talking about to get some, you know, get a decent thing in game. You're talking about $25. Now, luckily, 
Roblox has made their purchasing <laughs> uh, mechanism, uh, their point of sale, so confusing, even for me, that it's very difficult to do. And we found that the best thing to do is just go buy the points like at a GameStop and then just use the code on the card. Um, so they, you know, it's not as easy, but yes, in some instances, especially if a parent has given an Xbox to a kid and then hooked up because Microsoft requires you to, to have some type of debit card or credit card tied to that account and they don't use the parental controls, those kids can go out and start spending a lot of money. So I guess it kind of brings us to kind of our, our final point here as far as how much is too much. Again, it used to be if you designed a game and designed it well and sold it and a lot of people played it, the the windfall, the reward was that you made a good game, it made its money back plus some, and that the developer got to live another day to make another game. Case in point, Bethesda. You know, with their entry into uh, the gaming community with Fallout 4, I thought, this is a company that really knows what they're doing. I watched all the behind the scenes videos with them. And then they started to get into Fallout 76, which was their latest, which was an online game and did have microtransactions, and it has fallen apart. Um, so again, I think it's, it's, it's affecting the, the, the culture and the community of gaming when, you know, if you just want to buy a game and play it, you should be able to do that. And it shouldn't be focused so much on the game being incomplete unless you pay more money to get the pieces that they're keeping out purposefully just so they can make that extra income. Um, I think, it, you know, again, I don't know how much I believe that we need to get laws passed um, without getting anything getting too political. I think there's a lot of other things that we could focus on other than this, but it is something worth noting. And I guess you and I are, are in kind of unique situations, and I put it out there for the kind listener that may be uh, in the same situation and, and how this has affected them. Obviously, you know, Todd, you've got things uh, wrangled up pretty good there, so there just isn't, you know, random purchasing and everything. But I couldn't imagine um, what it would be like to go in and look at my credit card and see, you know, hundreds of dollars, you know, racked up because I didn't, you know, read the EULA or set my Xbox up so that it needed some type of parental improvement with buying skins. Because it, I mean, there's no limit. <laughs> you can go in and, and spend, like you said, hundreds of dollars just, just on stuff. I think there was one DLC... Um, that was $170 that you could go in and hit to get, you know, XYZ. Now, I've been a victim of this, too. I, I shouldn't say victim. I have knowingly bought DLC and, and different things like that. But I guess as an older gamer, I'm, I'm, it just doesn't have the lure that uh, some people may feel that it is. And I guess that's kind of where this, this, this uh, legislation is coming in is the lure and I'm um, so I, I'll, I'll put it to you, Todd. I mean, do you, do you, obviously this is marketing and obviously it's set up to try and get people's money. But do you think it's taking unfair advantage of, of kids that are out there, uh, even when it's not something that's a special weapon or some way to increase your 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 playability of the game? Uh, do you think that they're they're targeting specifically kids and trying to because obviously kids don't have any money? <laughs> you know, I don't know that I think they're targeting kids. I think they're targeting the uneducated gamer. I, I, yeah. I don't know how else to put that. I like you. I don't think we need laws to help parents parent. I right. mean that as a parent, that's my job to figure that out for my kid. Right. And if a mistake like that's made and I haven't confronted already, that's on me. Yeah. I do. I do think that the gaming industry, the, the way the gaming industry works is it seems to be constantly in flux. Right. You know, it, originally you had to buy the disc to put it on the machine. Mm -hmm. Now you, then it had to be, you had to buy that plus you had the gold editions. Now it's give it to you for free plus all this crap. And so these things yeah. are cyclical to the point that we're always going to keep going to them and coming back. I think that, you know, I don't know where the industry is going with this. I do think there's a disparity in the way it's being handled now. So I do think for fair business practices and the way the consumers treat it, I do think that they're target targeting things that, don't work. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. 
and 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 I do. I think you know some limits. You know, you can you can check a box that says you know, hey, if I get you know if I get hammered drinking whiskey, and I want you know I I start spending money on loot boxes after whatever monetary amount I put in, it should pop up a thing and say, yo, you're good. You know, you that's a good idea. You know, just like ATMs, you know, after a certain amount of money gets pulled out, it says, nope, okay, you know, you pulled out your your limit or whatever you set up on it. So. I right. think that would be interesting. And, and one other thing to bring up real quick as we kind of close this out is that, you know, the United States is, is actually not been as aggressive as some other areas. Um, the Belgian com- uh, gaming community ruled that loot boxes fall under jurisdiction of gambling laws and then concerns spread across Europe. And this pushed studios like Blizzard, who's uh, got uh, Overwatch and EA, which we've mentioned a number of their games, uh, to pull the sale of loot boxes from their games in those countries. So it's, it is a it is a plug in. It is something that can be removed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this um, progresses and we here at the other kind radio will do our best to um, to keep you up to date but I think it'll be a fine line because I, I I don't think it should be something that that parents can just leave up and then say hey how did this happen because I've been there I've set it up you've been there you know what it is to go in and try and set up these microtransactions but at the same time I do think that there's some room here to to kind of uh, create some boundaries and some limits as far as what people can say because if they're going to consider it a gambling issue uh, you know I've got a client in Vegas so I'm there every year and there are signs all over the casinos that say hey do you have a problem call this number Uh, hey you know we're going to need multiple forms of ID and this kind of thing if you want to pull out money uh, to to go gamble with so It'll be interesting, um, and I invite the kind listener to to shoot us an email. Let us know if you've run into this and what your thoughts are. Uh, as Todd and I are just two individuals, uh, just kind of talking to you on our podcast about this. But I do think it's an interesting thing that has kind of started to morph and gray the lines a bit about just recreational enjoyment or gambling. Um, gambling, again, comes in because you don't know when you buy that loot box, when you spend $40 for so many coins to buy so many loot boxes, you don't know what you're going to get. And real quick, there was a guy that uh, obviously had some funds and bought like a ton of the Star Wars Battlefront loot boxes, like thousands of dollars worth. Mm-hmm. And he created a spreadsheet and showed the data, and it was pretty abysmal as far as even though it's just like a slot machine. You may put $1,000 in, but it doesn't mean you're going to get your payback. And those like super legendary, hard to find uh, items didn't show up. And he spent, you know, again, I'll, I'm paraphrasing here, but a couple thousand dollars in trying to, to locate that. So an interesting thing we wanted to bring to uh, you, the kind listener. Any final thoughts that you've got on this, Todd? You know, I, I think, Jeff, that it's going to come down to that I personally think this loot box phenomenon is going to eventually bite the gaming yeah. industry and the yeah. booty. I think they're going the the perception uh, that they are trying to simply milk and milk and milk for funds is going to hit them. I think they'll also get so much pushback from parents, right or wrong, that the smart thing to do, and I have seen it in some games, is do you want us to push this type of ability to you? Yeah. And you know what? You want to really shut it down? How many phones now have fingerprint readers? Yeah. Put it in there that it can't be done unless the fingerprint's in it. Now, unless a kid's really devious and goes and gets mom and dad to touch the, the device, right. they're not going to be able to buy it. The, the gaming industry, to to stay away from the liability that may come along eventually, is going to have to do something like that. Right. You even, And it should be on their own. You even make me think about um, kind of a toll road experience. If, if the goal, because EA is another developer that has tons of money, so they're just making more money. Um, right. But if you're a, you're a small developer and your microtransactions are a way to pay for the development or future development, then just have it like a toll road uh, or the way toll roads used to be. When you hit a certain limit, then, you know, uh, maybe that goes away. Of course, that's not fair for the people that pick the game up late. But anyway, um, an interesting discussion. We look for your feedback and uh, invite uh, your comments, questions uh, at uh, you can email Todd at Todd, the Todd at the other kind radio dot com, Jeff at the other kind radio dot com. Or if you just want to uh, uh, 
be general. You can also email info at theotherkindradio.com. And before we leave, to change gears a little bit, let's let's talk to Todd about the Dive Bar Boombox. Let's get an update because I hear there are exciting things happening, and this makes my heart really happy because we talked a little bit in the pre-show about, you know, we all love doing our projects. The, these are the things like doing the other kind radio and, and your your bands and stuff are, are what we do in our free time to, to have a little selfish time, a little me time, if you will. Um, but I hear things are progressing. So give, give the kind listeners an update on the dive bar boombox, which are located in Dallas. So those Dallas listeners can, uh, can check you out. So real quickly, I mean, this, this band, I'm not going to say it's skyrocketing, but it has been the easiest band I've ever been a part of to book. We, we call clubs and we tell them the concept and they fall in love. We, we had our first real gig. We've done a few little open mic type things to get ready, but we played at a brewery in Grapevine, Texas called Hop and Sting, which by the way, we're playing again, there again this Saturday night and got a phenomenal reception. People very ecstatic to the point that we had one person reach out to us for private booking. Ooh. Um, yeah, that was shocking. It was like, oh my God, we played one thing, but the, the owners of that brewery wrote up and they have 30,000 followers on uh, Instagram and nice. they're, they're putting out there. This is our favorite band right now. You've got to come see them. We're, we're, we're just, just on a concept able to get doors open to us. So it, it appears to have some legs. So we, we've booked a, a few gigs. We're playing house of blues coming up. We've Ooh. got one we just booked in Garland at a place called in the intrinsic brewer and brewery and smokehouse, which apparently all bars and clubs now seem to be called breweries, <laughs> but we're getting out there. So come see us, come shake my hand. Let me know you're listening to the radio show here. I, I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Support uh, the dive bar Boombox Cause what they're doing um, is a little unique for the, for those new listeners. They are taking a um, a different view or a different angle on some well-known songs. Last time we left the show with uh, you guys playing, um, what was it? Is it what was the name? Oh no, it was by Prince. Yeah, I could never take the place of your man. Yeah, so I mean, obviously that has a very unique sound, and and um, I, I like what you're doing. I want people to pop out there and see you. Where are you going to be at again this uh, this Saturday? This Saturday is back at Hop and Sting, uh, and then the next after that is. Oh God, I think the next one after that is the House of Blues show. So, so it's it, but if you want to find us, yeah, uh, you can go to the divebarboombox.com or if you're lazy like me, I, I created the here it is. It is dbbbx.com. So it's right. dive bar boombox, dbbbx.com. You can go there and you can see any shows we're doing and listen to our music. So then, according to that last URL, you're going to start getting emails like, Can I buy the mask with the zipper on the mouth? And do you have. Um, <laughs> Not we only that, sell those at live performances. I'm really, sorry. Not that I know anything about any of that. Oh, whatever, Jeff. That's fantastic, man. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, as we close the show out, this Sunday is Mother's Day. So, uh, Todd, you want to wish anybody a happy Mother's Day? I'll just say word to your mother. Okay. All right. Um, so that's going to start. That's going to take care of this episode of The Other Kind Radio. My big thanks to Todd. Go check out Dive Bar Boombox. Yes, I went an entire episode saying their band name correct. That's how much respect I have for this particular project. Make sure you go check them out. Um, happy Mother's Day. Happy birthday. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers out there. And. In the golden words from Todd, word to your mother. We'll see you back here in next week. And uh, no, we won't, because I'll be on the road. So it'll be two weeks, and we'll be back again from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you so much for checking us out. We are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind The other kind of radio radio. The other kind of radio.